Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. Luke chapter 4, let's go ahead and start reading there. I was going to read in a moment, but we'll, ju- we'll do it now. Let's do it. Verse 1, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returning from the Jordan River, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this uh, this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scripture says, People do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's, uh, moment's time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and the authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine. Give to anyone I, to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, Scripture says, You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For Scripture says, He will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus replied, The Scripture also says, You must not test the Lord your God. And we'll close with verse 13. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Some translations say he left him for an opportune time. So he was waiting for another opportunity to come at Jesus. So I want to wrap this up today. Uh, Last weekend we did a message uh, on offense, being offended. And that message just blew up, man. I mean, people were touched and and a lot happened last weekend. If you you weren't here, you need to go on our YouTube channel and watch that message. Uh, It was very powerful. Um, It resonated in a lot of people, including me. And I chewed on that a little bit this week. And so I want to give you a little bit of that and then we'll jump into today. But write this down. We are called to be offensive not offended, so like offense, defense. We are called to be offensive, not offended. Write this down. We can't play defense and offense at the same time. Is that right? Okay. God has called us to play offense for the kingdom. When you're offended, you're always on the defensive. When you're offended, you're always on the defensive. You're reacting to everything. Okay? When we are broken slash offended, we put up a flag and say, I'm defending this place or this stand, and I'm not leaving this place because I don't want to be hurt again. So watch the wording. We put up a flag and we say, I'm offended, so we're... we're we're working from a place of defense, reaction, and we're being reactive instead of proactive. So we're playing defense, so we're reacting. By the way, today is Super Bowl Sunday, in case you didn't know. Okay? So tonight, on that field, you have a defense. Well, you know, they're not going to score a lot of points if they're always playing defense. They're responding. They're reacting to what the other team is doing. 
when you get offended, you're always reacting to what the enemy is doing. You're not playing offense, which means you're not going to score a lot of points. You're reacting. When you become offended and you get hurt, and everybody gets hurt. I get hurt, you get hurt. That's, that's just the, the human, humanness in all of us. But what I said last weekend is so crucial. I can get hurt. I can get offended. I, I, I can do that, and you can too, but we don't move into the neighborhood of hurt and offense. We get over it quickly, right? Because if we don't, then we're always putting up that flag saying, I'm going to stay right here and operate out of defense. I'm reacting to everything that's happening. And because I'm standing here on this hurt and this wounding, I'm not moving. So if I'm not moving, then the ball's not moving down the field. Does that make sense? So I'm standing here saying, I'm hurt. I'm not moving. I'm not opening myself up. And you're always coming from that defensive posture. I don't want to get hurt again. When something happens in our life that causes trauma, we have a choice. We can either build an altar or we can build a wall. We can either build an altar, which means we're going to give it to the Lord, or we build a wall, a fortified wall that's saying no one can come into this wall. And, and, and this wall, it, it's real. And, and where is the wall? The wall's right in here. You, you can see it. If you deal with people like I do all the time, uh, I can watch them. I can be around them a few minutes. I can tell you where they're at. They, I can tell you if there's a wall. And they put it up. And, the, and they, they hide behind that wall of offense. They're offended. They're hurt. There's a core wounding. There's something there. And because of that, they're not moving forward. Does that make sense to anybody but me? Okay. So instead of of building an altar and giving that offense or that hurt or that wounding to God, we build walls. And we have to stay there the rest of our life vigorously defending the, that wall of offense. So watch that. Defending, that's defense. I'm defending my hurt. I'm defending my wounding. I'm hurt. Uh, I'm reactive because of that. When we are offended, we move to a posture of defending ourselves. Or our identity. Let me say that again. When we are offended, we move to a posture of defending ourselves or our identity. Today we're going to talk about the battleground of our identity and where that is established. And I think it was right here in Luke 4 where Jesus established this for us. Jesus, in this passage in Luke 4, his identity was under attack from Satan. If you'll notice the wording here, especially like King James or New King James, he's going to say things like, uh, in that verbiage, he will say, if you are the Son of God. Do you see Satan questioning the identity of Jesus? If you are who you say you are. So he was questioning who he was. It's one of the oldest tactics of, of, the, of the enemy, and so... What he does is he comes to question us at our core. Who, who are you? He's questioning your identity. Everybody shout out, out identity. Come on, say it again, identity. I want to say to us today, in our world, in our culture, we don't have a, a gender issue. We have an identity issue. And all of these pronouns and all of these things, and then transgender and all of this hodgepodge of 
things that are happening inside of people today, and we certainly love them and are for them and want to bless them and encourage them, but, but at the core of that, there is an identity issue. And the identity is, I don't know who I am. Am I this or am I that? I don't really know what I am and who I am, and I don't even know what to call what I am. And at the core of that, it's an identity issue. And if we trace that core long enough, and I don't want to go down a rabbit trail long, but if we trace that far enough back, it's a father wounding. Because in a relationship with husband and wife and children in the family dynamic, the father is the one who gives identity. So if you're lacking in fatherhood in that home as a, as a child, then you're lacking your identity because the father is the one who establishes the identity. But I want to tell you today, we have a heavenly father that established your identity when you come out of your mother's womb and he said, you're this. Come on, you're this. And he established who you are. And so we love you so much, but you're wrestling with an identity issue and you're having an identity crisis. And you don't know who you are. And God loves you so much that he wants to tell you who you are today. And that he loves you. Maybe you're watching by internet today. God wants you to know he loves you. He loves you and he made you. Can I hear an amen on that? It's this idea of doubt. Who am I? Who am I? I lived this a long time in my life. I, I struggled as an adult with who I was I was thrown into ministry, pastoral ministry, at the age of 26. Not, I do not recommend that at all, <laughs> um, especially in a senior pastor-type position. Um, and I struggled with who I was. My dad was killed in a car accident, uh, became the pastor of the church. My dad was the pastor. I became the pastor very young, preached only one message uh, before he passed. So I preached on Sunday. He died on Saturday. So he heard my first message. He looked at me afterwards, said, I can die now and be happy. And he cried like a baby. He said, all I did here was lay a foundation. It's for somebody else to build on, and we both know that's you. 58-year-old man, healthy as we know, as far as we knew, went home to be with Jesus in a car wreck the following Saturday. So I got a crash course, so I started ministry. Well, when I started ministry... I was basing everything on my dad. So I was trying to be my dad. It's all I knew. So I was emulating what I knew, what I saw, what I heard. I didn't know any different. I did that for 10 years. Guess what? The church never grew. Never did anything. 10 years in, I went through a major family crisis. Biggest storm of my life about killed me. And in that storm, I discovered who I was. And I went back, I said I wasn't going back in ministry, said I didn't want anything to do with ministry, said I would never, never do ministry again. I had a two-month plan. I was checking out. I was never going to return to the pulpit again. That was my whole purpose. Never again will I do this. <laughs> never do that with God. <laughs> I told the Lord, I said, I'm done. I'm not qualified. And through the love of a group of people in a church called Good Samaritan, the love of those people that they had shown me, 
I began to love them back, and I said, for two months, I'm going to give them everything I got. I'm going to preach everything I know, and I'm going to, it was about 15 people. I said, I'm going to preach as hard as I can preach, and I'm going to love these people as hard as I can love them. And in that two months' time, instead of being Eddie Yarbrough, I became Jason Yarbrough. And when I became Jason, and I started being Jason, guess what happened to that church? And here you are today. The church never stopped growing. Why? I can trace it back to an identity crisis where I didn't know who I was. Through that time, I started learning more and more who I was, and I started operating in who Jason was. And here's what happened. I became comfortable in my own skin. I became comfortable in the man that God had called me to be. And I want to tell you, when you do that, it's like that song they sang a few moments ago. This is what freedom looks like. This is what heaven... You know that song? When you discover who you are, you're like an eagle soaring. If you ever discover who you really are, and you discover who God made you to be, and you quit being what everybody else wants you to be, or living up to the expectation of what they think you should be, you're going to soar, baby. You're going to fly when you find out who you are. So there's, there's um, a few things here I want to give you, a few points. Number one, the enemy seeks opportunity. Everybody say, he seeks opportunity. He is no, he's not stupid. He wastes no time. He wastes no time with Jesus. Write this down. Weapons are only as good as their aim. Weapons are only as good as their, as their aim. So, you know, if you put a rifle in Jerry Lawson or Billy Riggs's hands, you're probably going to die. Okay? If you put that same rifle in my wife's hand, you're going to live. Okay? So, a weapon is only as good... As its aim. Is that right? So it can kill you. It has the potential to kill you. But if you don't know how to aim it, is that right? Okay, y'all, y'all, y'all smelling when I'm stepping in? Okay. Barbie hates that saying, so I say it a lot. So, okay. Um, <laughs> so a weapon is only as good as its aim. And I, it's, it's the same principle of deer season. Deer season. So, we put the corn, we put the rice bran out, because here's the thing. To aim at your prey, they have to be vulnerable. Is that right? So you put out the corn, you put out the rice bran to get them in a state of vulnerability. Is that right? Okay. The enemy uses the same tricks. It's the same devices. It's the same thing. Um, there's a reason deer season is during what is called the rut. Because the big buck is not coming out of his place of protection unless he's not in his right mind. <laughs> and when the ladies come calling, he is not in his right mind. Okay? And so, guess what? He is vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Is that right? It's the same thing, guys, with Satan. 
He attacks you when you're vulnerable. He attacks you when you're weak. He attacks you when you have let your guard down. That's why I'm not a big fan of missing church. Okay, now I'm not trying to be legalistic. And we all have things we got to do. Me too. and uh, I'm included in that sometimes. We have things, family events and so forth and so on. And I get that. But I want to tell you something. There's a rhythm with church. There's a rhythm. Hear that? That's a rhythm. There is a rhythm with church. If you get out of the rhythm, if you miss, the easier it becomes to miss. Okay? When you miss, you're outside of the protection of a body of believers. It's the same principle as the herding animals that herd together. Um, the wolf attacks the sheep on the outskirts of the herd. Is that right? So when you're not connected to the body of Christ, to the body of believers, you're, you're left unprotected. This is the same principle. You're vulnerable for his aim, right? He's aiming at you. You're vulnerable to his attacks. To add more to that, he always looks for an opportune time. Is he going to aim when you're at a spiritual high? No, he, he's not going to do that. Um, that's why you can be in a church service and experience a spiritual high, if you will, for lack of better wording. And in here, you know, it's good because you're with other believers and you're amen and praise God. I love that Pastor Jay. He is the best preacher ever. <laughs> no, not really. But anyway, so, you know, you're feeling good about it. Well, you go home or you get to your car and you and your wife are driving down the avenue and you're like, what do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I don't know. And you pull in somewhere and she says, I don't want that. And you're like, well, you said you didn't care. And then you get an argument. Well, everything that just happened here just went out the window. Okay, so do you see how that's an opportune time? And to top it off, you're hungry. We're going to talk about Jesus being hungry. You're hungry. When you get hungry, you're hangry. Okay, well, you're vulnerable. Everybody say vulnerable. Okay, so with that being said, so the enemy is going to aim when you're spiritually low, when you're vulnerable to his attack. Here's the other thing. Is he going to attack your marriage when you just had Love Fest 2023? No, he's not. Why? It, wouldn't, it wouldn't be an opportune time. He's going to attack your marriage when it's an opportune time. So here's what happens. Life happens, and over a course of a week, you're working shift work, you're on call, all of these things start happening, and then before you realize it, you're three weeks, four weeks in, and you and your spouse have not connected. So there, that's a big space. And in that space, what happens is life, and kids get sick, and dogs get sick, and all kinds of things start happening to you, and then you start arguing and the enemy says, that's an opportune time. Right there. Because you're vulnerable to his attack. Is that right? Okay. When is he going to attack you to take a drink of alcohol? Somebody tell me. When you want to take the edge off? When you hadn't had fun in a while? Super Bowl night? Yeah, it got real quiet. Yeah. Y'all know I love you, don't you? <laughs> you know you're getting a whooping when the dad says that, right? Um, 
I have a hard stance on alcohol. Okay, I do. Social or otherwise, I have a hard stance. Don't mean that's your stance. You can have your stance. I already feel the walls coming up. I already feel them. Okay? Let your guard down. Let your wall down, okay? Because I'm a man that loves you. I love you. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Okay? So, do you know how many times I've heard, Pastor, we were out drinking the other night, and 20 people got saved and gave their heart to Jesus right there at the campfire. My marriage got healed, and my kids' behavior went to another level. Do y'all know how many times I've heard that? Never, ever. In 22 years of pastoring, I've never heard that ever. <laughs> Do you know how many times I've heard a counseling conversation start like this? Pastor, we were drinking the other night. And X, Y, Z happened. It's countless how many times my wife and I have heard a counseling session start just like that. We don't drink, but we did that night. And when that happened, all hell started happening. When you pull up to a liquor store, it says wine, liquor, spirits. The enemy works in that. You're under the in, it's called being under the influence. You're under the influence of a spirit, and it's not the Holy Spirit. Okay, now we can argue theology, and I'm more than happy to do that with you. I'm pretty good at it. And we can talk about what the Bible says about drinking and all that, and don't get drunk. But, but here's the thing. Whether you're buzzed or you're two beers in or whatever you are, you are not you. Okay? And the enemy, the demonic works in that, and it's a stronghold. And I'm just telling you, it is a vulnerable time when you need to take the edge off for the enemy to hit you and to come at you, and then all hell breaks loose. And then XYZ starts happening, and you're like, oh my gosh, what, what is happening here? It's a stronghold. Everybody say it's a stronghold. Marijuana is the same thing. Same, same deal, same context. Um, I've been out here on this corner a lot lately, and I get high every day. <laughs> I'm serious. The, you know, now we got this, this whole medical marijuana thing and all that. Now, now it's just like, let's just do it. You know, everybody's doing it. Well, man, the cars that go by, like, I mean, the aroma of marijuana is everywhere. It's a deception of the enemy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And if I have to have, if the only way I can have joy or peace is a substance, then I need to really take a hard look internally to say, what's, what kind of woundings is here? Because that wounding is that flag that you're standing up saying, I'm defending this place of hurt. And I water it down through a substance. Okay? The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I found joy, the Bible says, it's unspeakable joy. Old song says, this joy that I found, the world didn't give it to me, boom, 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 this joy that I found, the world didn't give it to me, and if the world didn't give it to me, then the world can't take it away. Come on, church, come on, give the Lord a hand clap for that, amen? I won't quit meddling, <laughs> I won't quit meddling, but I love you. Everybody say, he loves us. All right. Let's keep on going. Satan is looking for an opportune time when you're tired. 
when you're edgy. Let's aim at them when they're irritable. They will hurt somebody they love because they're irritable. So that's an opportune time. Let's aim when they're at a place of misunderstanding and no one likes me. He's aiming for an opportune time. He looks for vulnerability and weakness in you. He came to Jesus after he had been fasting 40 days. So he had just received confirmation of baptism in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. He was baptized. A voice came from heaven. It was his father. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And at that moment, he assured him of his identity. And so right after that moment, he goes into the wilderness. He's, he's fasted 40 days. He's tired. He's weak. He's hungry. And the devil said, you're hungry. Write this down. Your enemy will always agree with your need. He is very sneaky. He doesn't come in the form of confrontation. He always starts by agreeing with where you're at. No one will ever know. It's just one. It won't hurt anything. And let, me give you, let me say this. This is another nugget that we're not going to preach on today, but he was alone too. The enemy loves for you to... It's not necessarily physically being alone. It's feeling alone. Okay? He doesn't just agree with your lack, but he agrees with your ability to fix it. Run, leave, take the pills, get mad, tear up something, hit the wall, whatever it is. When you know who you are and your identity comes through Christ, you don't have to perform to prove who you are. When you don't know who you are, the enemy's words can sound like the affirmation that you need. Amen. Look at this. The enemy was telling Jesus, I believe in your abilities. Feed yourself. Take care of yourself. Turn these stones into bread and eat them. They're better than the Texas Roadhouse with cinnamon butter. These rolls are good. Here's number two. Here's the second point. I know why you came here was to rule and reign. This is what the enemy's telling Jesus. You come to rule and reign over the planet. I can help you with that. Let's make a deal. Never play let's make a deal with the devil. Oh, pastor, I'm not into the demonic. I'm not into satanic worship. But the temptation here was not bowing down. Oh, we missed this. Oh, my goodness, we missed this because that was not the temptation. The temptation here was to exchange God's will for his will. You can choose the outcome for your destination here right now without the messy process. Let's just go to Let's fast forward. And we love, to take, we love shortcuts, but shortcuts never pan out. To obey God, it will require obedience and sacrifice. They work hand in hand. But I want to argue that obedience, according to Scripture, is better than sacrifice. Isn't that what Samuel told Saul? Laying down my own will most of the time, uh, is when, when I do that, I'm saying I, I lay down my will and, and I want God's will. But when I want my will, then I'm wanting to skip the messy process. This is not so much Satan worship as it is what do I prefer? What do I want? Sacrifice doesn't require our own will. Obedience does. We can sometimes sacrifice for what we want, but what about what God wants? It's not obedience to my will, but it's obedience to God's will. Here's number three. He told Jesus, go to the pinnacle of the temple and throw yourself off. Now, if I pulled this room right now and I walked through here and I asked you, do you have the temptation of jumping off buildings? I don't think any of us have that temptation. I don't, I don't wake up every day being tempted to jump off the building. But what about jumping to conclusions? I think every one of us in here jump to conclusions sometimes, including me. 
Let me give you an example. When we leave our higher calling to go down here to defend ourselves on social media or otherwise, we're jumping down here with our influence to establish our identity. So I'm, God has called me to sit in heavenly places, and yet I'm going down here on social media commenting and arguing and all of these things. So I'm, I'm leaving up here, and I'm going down here, and I'm trying to establish my identity and prove who I am. Jesus, don't you want to see if your Father's house will show up for you? And this is what we do. We push on the relationships in our life to defend who we are. So i got to have be friends with this person, and i got to know this person, and I want this person in my life because that validates who I am. Can I tell you I love you, but that is a lower calling. He was trying to get Jesus reactive instead of proactive. In other words, your identity is in other people accepting you. When we, like Jesus, feed on the affirmation of our Heavenly Father, we outgrow the things that have held us in bondage. Write this down. This is so good. A higher calling requires a higher climb. So if you want to go higher, you've got to climb higher. And that means you've got to leave some things down here, some things like I just talked about, some codependency on some things to make me happy. I've got to leave these things to get to greater things. Because I'm a kingdom-minded person, not an earthly-minded person. I'm in this world. I'm not of this world. Come on, church. Give the Lord a hand or something for that. Come on. So I'm, I'm leaving here to come down here. I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to do that. This is what we do. We push on our relationships to defend who we are. We got to feed on the Father's affirmation. Getting above what everybody else is doing. I'm not reactive, I'm proactive. When I'm climbing higher, I'm not jumping down to what everybody else is doing. The enemy loves for you and I to be distracted by what everybody else is doing and what every, everything else that's going on. Why? We're not proactive anymore. We are reactive and we're defending this place. A reactive life will ruin your purpose. And I believe today that God wants to get us out of defensive mode and into growth mode. So I told you all that a minute ago, and I got in your business, and I meddled a little bit, but my heart is to see you grow. And you can't grow, and, and, I, and man, that's something. I, I said, what did I say a while ago? I said, you're going to soar like an eagle. You, you're going to soar. Well, you can't soar if you're hanging out in the barnyard with the chickens and the turkeys. Eagles soar. They don't hang out eating chicken food in the chicken coop. That's what the world does. I don't do that. I'm going to fly higher. No, I'm not perfect. No, I make mistakes. But man, I'm striving for another kingdom. I see something other people don't see. I live somewhere where other people don't live, and I'm not so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. But at the same time, I'm soaring higher, I'm going higher. Oh, man, that's good stuff. Amen. A reactive life will ruin your purpose. A reactive life will ruin your purpose. And I believe that God wants to get us out of defensive mode and into growth mode. We don't have to defend ourselves. God defends us. Somebody said to me, I'm closing, um, and y'all are very thankful. Uh, <laughs> somebody said... Um, to me not too long ago they said I bet you get a lot of haters doing what you do 
And I do. I mean, you can't do something like this. I, I probably got a bunch of you mad at me today. <laughs> I hope not. But you... God help me here. You cannot stand for this and not offend somebody out there. If you live this Bible and you preach the Bible and you preach the Word of God and you live for God, you're going to offend people and they're going to get people mad at you. And you're going to have what they call today haters. Okay? And people said, somebody said to me the other day, I bet you get a lot of haters. And I said, this is my response. My response kind of amazed me. It just came out of my spirit. I said, I don't know. And he said, what do you mean you don't know? I said, I don't make it my business to know. <laughs> I don't know because I don't care. Because, does it, because here's the thing. Does it really change if I'm called or not just because other people don't like it? doesn't change my calling at all. It doesn't change that, that God himself ordained me and called me to this position. That doesn't change. So what everybody else thinks and the opinions of everybody else, it, it doesn't really matter. It's not my job to wonder if, if anybody has misunderstood me. <laughs> Think about this. This is good. My highest calling is understanding. So my greatest hate is misunderstanding. Okay? Watch this. If... I get caught up in people's misunderstandings, then I will never understand God's word, His will, and His way if I'm always obsessed with misunderstanding. I'm seeking understanding. Does that make sense to anybody but me? And so when you get on this object and you're on social media, the, the, the real ploy here, the real thing that everybody's after is these comments. What is everybody saying? And then we get caught up in the comments. And, and never try to be controversial on here. You know, don't, don't get in the weeds. What I'm saying is don't leave up here to get down here in these comments of what everybody else thinks and what everybody else is doing. <laughs> Are y'all following me? That, that's called misunderstanding. I, I want to live in understanding, not misunderstanding. I just believe there is anointing in this place today. My God, I feel this. I believe there is an anointing in this place to pray the blanket of what everybody else thinks about me off of you today, and we need to get rid of that spirit. We need to get rid of that spirit today. Um, I can't answer for other cities. I just answer for this city. This is where I live. This is where God called me. And as a pastor here that lives here, that, that works here, that raises a family here, that tries to move the kingdom forward here in this city, I am telling you we've got a problem in this county, in this city, of what everybody else thinks about me. And what everybody else thinks about me is our world. And we need to set you free because you've got a small world if you're worried about what everybody else thinks about you. Man, do y'all feel that? Why? Why do we not want to get caught up in that? Because we're not proactive anymore, and the ball's not running down the field, and we're not scoring touchdowns. We're caught up in the play-by-play -play of what happened over here on the field. All we're doing is wasting time, and they're showing us more goofy commercials they paid too much for. We want to see the ball move down the field, and we want to score a touchdown. I can't get nobody excited, Lord. I'm sorry. Come on. 
<laughs> I want to score touchdowns. A reactive life will ruin your purpose. God wants to set us free today. <laughs> I said God wants to set us free today. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship team, come on up. I'm done. The enemy is always looking for reaction. He wants a reaction. Everybody say that. The enemy wants a reaction out of you. <laughs> he wants a reaction out of you. And the reaction is, what does everybody else think about me? The only identity that matters is God's. And we take his name. This is good. God is saying, aren't you tired of defending yourself all the time? Aren't you tired of defending yourself all the time? <laughs> Lord Jesus, I pray for a spirit of backbone in this church. A backbone that says, I'm going to quit worrying about what everybody thinks about me. I rebuke identity crisis in the name of Jesus. I rebuke it at its root. But I don't know who I am. I close this series today, Lord. And I want to see people set free. And I want people to know who they are. I want to soar like eagles, not cluck like chickens. I want to soar. you're setting people free today let us step into peace and not striving because that's offense not defense I believe stuff is getting broke off of you right now and God we resigned from defending ourselves, which means we, we resigned from controlling the outcome at the core of what everybody thinks is control. I want to control how people view me if they like me. It means I don't know who I am. As the song we sang this morning says, I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I already know who I am. And that's enough. I don't need your affirmation. I need God's affirmation. Jesus didn't die just to give you eternal life. He died so you could have an abundant life right here on earth. And he wants you to live life to its fullest. He wants you to soar like an eagle. And today I believe that opportunity is afforded to you today. And today you can get free. In just a moment I'm going to ask our altar team if they would take their positions and You'll see men and women that'll stand up here and pray for you. If you're a man, come pray with a man. If you're a lady, come pray with one of our ladies. As we close out the label series, I just believe God is going to do amazing things in here today. And God wants to set you free. Would you stand to your feet with me? Altar team, if you would come take your positions. Worship team is about to go back into the song. You are my champion. As they sing, 
I want you to come. If you need prayer for anything, it doesn't even have to be the topic of the message. It could be anything going on in your life that you need prayer for. We've got qualified people here to pray for you. We've got anointing oil that's here. Last weekend, we saw uh, people come to know the Lord. We saw people rededicate their life. And Today, there's people here to pray for you and pray for your need. Do not leave this room without prayer today if God is dealing with your spirit. Come on, team. Let's worship and you come and pray with our altar team. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.